AEW Full Gear 2023 is in the books. There is a lot to talk about because online right now, people are going mad. Let's get into it. What's up, people? It's your boy Mex, the WrestleManiac, if you will. And welcome back to another episode of the WrestleManiac UK show. Make sure you hit like, follow on your podcast platform of choice, leave a review, all of that good stuff. I hope you guys have had a very, very good week. I hope we're having an even better week going into this week going forward. You know, it's been a very good weekend of wrestling. I'll start from there. It has been a very, very good weekend of wrestling. Um, I know, you know, full gear, like the main event, that main event is going to, it's going to rattle people, man. <laughs> it, 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 or should I say it's going to rattle people. It has rattled people. It really has rattled people. Um, AEW, man, they're, they're a great promotion. They're a breath of fresh air. They do so many things right. But when they get it wrong, they get it wrong, man. They really do get it wrong. So, um, yeah, we're, we're going to get there. We're going to talk about it. We're going to, you know, give a little review of the show because, like I say, all in all, it was a really strong show. It was really, really good. Um, you know, it was all around the main event scene where people just, you know, they have, they've had enough. They've had enough for, you know, for those that haven't quite had enough, you know, we're arriving at the point where, this is becoming too much. You know what? Let's let's talk about it. <laughs> let's let's get into it from the beginning. So, the pre-show, yeah, the pre-show saw um, MJF defending the ROH Tag Team Championships alongside Samoa Joe, who he had finally taken up his offer to be his friend and help him defending those titles against the Guns, right? We won't get into obviously what happened within the match. MGF and Joe retained the titles. Adam Cole came out. Adam Cole, great to see him on crutches, looking very grisly. Obviously, he's just being at home with his leg up, I guess, not really looking after himself, it looks like. And, you know, they kind of embraced and all that kind of stuff, MJF and Adam Cole. Samoa Joe had also reminded MJF that, you know, you owe me a title shot and that now. And being on one leg, um Adam Cole that is he couldn't help when the guns laid an attack on MJF right chair around MJF's knee took him out like absolutely beat him up Adam Cole couldn't do nothing but look on and of course you know why we're still kind of thinking Adam Cole could be the devil in all of this Adam Cole could be the devil and he's just literally watching on as MJF is getting beaten up so that's another thing to consider in all of this Anyway, MJF gets put on the gurney. He gets wheeled out of the arena into the back of an ambulance. And as he's going into the back of the ambulance, he's telling Adam Cole, you know, don't let them take my AEW world title from me. Don't let them take it. Don't let them take it. And it's almost the similar kind of promise MJF made to Adam Cole that when he's fit and ready, the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships will still be here. Adam Cole makes a similar promise to MJF that, you know, I will make sure they do not take these titles from you. Anyway, we get onto the main show now, 
And maybe after the first two matches or so, we see Tony Schiavone comes out. He calls for um, the Bullet Club to come out. Um, Switchblade Jay White comes out with, obviously, the Triple B, the world title. And Tony Schiavone is about to do some, again, very kind of sports entertainment field stuff here. Tony Schiavone is about to declare Jay White the winner of the AEW world title because MGF is not about MGF is you know on a in a local medical facility he's in a hospital and he cannot defend the title so by default Jay White is now the champion he's about to do that when Adam Cole's music hits Adam Cole says obviously I'm not letting Jay White just take the title like that and Adam Cole decides to be in the match now this is where the story starts falling apart because Adam Cole can't get cleared for a tag match for a Ring of Honor tag team title defense on his one leg. So who cleared him to face Jay White for the world title in the main event? The story begins to fall apart, right? You can't really suspend your belief for all of this like come on like we're not idiots you get like it becomes harder and harder to to stomach but that's the match and kudos to AEW they changed the match graphic it's now Adam Cole versus Jay White like and at this point I'm really thinking what are you lot up to I'm enjoying it I'm not gonna lie I'm enjoying it and I'm, I'm just curious I'm very curious to see how this is all going to play out. And um, that's what they tell us throughout the show. You know, this is what it is now. Adam Cole versus Jay White. And of course, your mind is still going because it's like, who's the devil in all of this and stuff like that. And we get to the main event. And Jay White makes his entrance. Adam Cole makes his entrance on his crutches and his homeware. Um, gets into the ring, gives as much as he can with the boom and the baby and all of that kind of stuff. And literally just before the belt is about to ring to start the world title match, we go to the Titron. Ambulance coming back into the arena. MJF is driving the ambulance. Boy, if that isn't the most WWE thing I've seen, WCW even, WCW. Like, this is sports entertainment, people. This is sports entertainment on the home of professional wrestling. Every time they sign out of Dynamite at the end of the show, Excalibur doesn't mince his words. He's very quick to tell us this is the home of professional wrestling. What I saw in this main event was not what I believe to be professional wrestling. And I don't know about you guys, but this is not what I believe to be professional wrestling. MJF, a man that was put in a gurney, put in the back of an ambulance and driven out, somehow stole an ambulance and could drive it with his one leg back to the arena. In And, you know, again, who cleared MJF? Who cleared MJF to now replace Adam Cole? and enter the world title match. Furthermore, a heel Jay White, why is he okay with all of this? Yes, one could argue it's because these men are both on one leg each, but why would he be okay with this? It should be no. 
if the champion cannot defend the title, I am the new champion. That is the rule. Not someone else standing in his place. And now Adam, Adam Cole's supposed to stand in his place. And now MJF has come back. And Jay White is happy with all of this. Nah, they've done Jay White wrong, man. They've done, they've done him a disservice. They have done him a disservice and made his character look like a numpty. Like an idiot. Very silly. This isn't on. Now, we get MJF versus Jay White. And, you know, they wrestle. They wrestle and do what they're both very, very good at. They put on a great match. The cutter over the top rope by the man that's allegedly on one leg was incredible. Very good match. And towards the end of the match, the hokey stuff starts coming in again. Adam Cole had a Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship in his hand. It was nicked from his hand by Jay White. Jay White used it on MJF. It wasn't the fall for MJF. Um, the dynamite diamond ring. Again, Adam Cole, it's almost like he was handing these things to Jay White. That's, that's, that's how they tried to picture it again, maybe playing on this whole devil thing. It's almost like he handed that to Jay White as well, the diamond, dynamite diamond ring. And Jay White, I can't remember, he didn't really get it off. In the end, MJF used it. MJF retained the AEW world title on one leg against a fit, ready, able Jay White. We, I just, it's very, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Jay White has obviously come in from New Japan. Jay White beat Okada. Jay White is one of the most decorated singles wrestlers in recent New Japan history. And he couldn't beat a man on one leg. And that's what we were told. Uh, it's... It's very, very hard to believe. Like, AEW, I personally, for me, I don't mind elements of sports entertainment creeping into the product as long as it's not overly hokey, overly stupid. Like, these are the things that we wouldn't stand for in WWE that we complain about in WWE. So we can't come and expect it here or stomach it here. People ran from WWE's product because of stuff like this. And now it's just, you know, readily accepted. Is readily accepted here in, in AEW? I don't know, man. I don't I don't I I don't know how to feel to stomach it. I I I was very come the end of that main event, I was very kind of just open i was just like okay i don't like necessarily what i just saw for me it wasn't too too bad but i don't really like it but i'm not going to make too much noise about it and we get to the presser and i see mjf in tears i really love professional wrestling and this that and the other. and for me that was the straw that broke the camel's back in regards to all of this the world title picture the main event stuff and all the booking around that we saw on the night that was the straw that broke the camel's back because why are you crying MJF? Why are you in tears? Almost inconsolable at points. Is, is this work? Is this shoot? Like, I don't understand. And I don't know. Why is this here? It's really confusing to me. Like, is, 
what why is mjf crying this is so far from his character what we knew as his character and he's in he's in tears he's in absolute tears because of what exactly he said he was in pain he said he's put his heart soul body mind blood everything into this for me that was the right this is now just some really hokey way of doing things i don't know and in between he was still being mjf you know you know we can't deny that but i don't know guys i i really don't know like what i saw tonight was something that didn't serve jay white at all at all this did not serve jay white jay white comes out of this looking like a, a dunce a div silly stupid like where does jay white go from here he's not buried let's let's all slow down on that one he's not buried but what was this why and adam cole I mean, they're keeping his name alive on TV and obviously bringing him to the pay-per-view and stuff like that. This seems very self-serving for these two. MJF is like he's got Tony Khan wrapped around his finger. And we already know the amount of love, adoration, respect Tony Khan has for Adam Cole. Had Adam Cole been fit, we all know it would have been Adam Cole standing next to Tony Khan announcing the Continental Classic and not Brian Danielson. That is a fact. It's very weird, man. It's very, very, very weird. Like, I don't know where we go from here in regard to this, this, you know, Samoa Joe is obviously next, but the fans are calling for MJF's head. The fans are done, um, you know, largely they're done with this title reign. They're done with the sports entertainment side of things. Um, there is a lot of uproar on the socials and thing. Like, people aren't happy. People aren't happy and there's no other way to put it. Like, I, I, I think that fans are beginning to feel a bit betrayed. This isn't what they came here for. This isn't what they came here for. It's like if you go to the shop and buy a chocolate bar and start unraveling the chocolate bar to eat and something else is inside. Like, I didn't want that chocolate bar with maybe a caramel filling and all that kind of stuff. I just wanted this chocolate bar. Now you're giving me some extras. I didn't buy that. I didn't want that. And especially for those that obviously, you know, are, are buying pay-per-views as well in the US, man, are spending $50. $50 on this cheaper here in the UK but money is money money spent is money spent and you, you want to feel like you got your money's worth and let me just say I, I got my money's worth on this show I got my money's worth but this is the main event scene and I just don't expect some of these things I'm seeing from AEW I you guys hear me all the time just know what you're watching I love it I love that phrase and when, you know, I'm watching WWE, I know what to expect. When I'm watching AEW, I know what to expect. And when I'm watching AEW Full Gear 2023 last night, I did not expect this. 
if this all this stuff we mentioned right now was on the WWE product on the WWE pay-per-view, I'll be like, yeah, love it, inject it, love it. And like I said, after it all, I wasn't too harsh on it. Like I just thought, all right, I wasn't too harsh on it. It's not what I expected, but I love the guys involved. Probably that's what's carried me through. I love Jay White. I absolutely love Jay White. I, I've come to love a um, MJF. I think MJF was someone that early on, I was very critical. Like I'm talking very early on, early AEW, MLW times. I was very critical of MJF. I just thought this doesn't have legs, man. Like it's, it's, it's a bit boring, just everyday insulting. He's developed. MJF is so good and we all know this. And I absolutely love Adam Cole. So maybe that's why I'm just less harsh on it because I'm a big fan of all these guys that are involved. But like I said, when I go to the shop and I spend my money and I get my chocolate bar, I'm not trying to unravel this. I'm not trying to unravel this. I didn't I didn't pay for this for this chocolate bar. It's 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 a weird one, and the fans have every right to make the noise. Um yeah, good match. The match didn't need all the, the, the bells and whistles around it. Didn't need it. The match was good. And they could have done even more stuff. Did they not have this MGF injury angle? <laughs> what was the need? But yeah, that, that's the main talking point coming out of this show is just how this was dealt with. There is an exceptional match on this card and you guys know what it is. And we're going to get to it shortly. Um, on the pre-show, there was other bits and bobs. You know, we had Eddie Kingston um, beat J, um, Jay Lethal for the RH um, World Title. Um, we also had um, we had Buddy Murphy or Buddy Matthews, sorry, and Claudio. That was a really good match. Claudio got the win. Showed some respect to Buddy Matthews afterwards, but Buddy Matthews wasn't having it. And then, of course, like I said, we got the MJF tag team match um, where he teamed up with Joe. On to the main card. The show opened up with Darby Allen, Adam Copeland and Sting versus Christian Cage, Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne. I love the fact they're called the patriarchy. I think that's just brilliant. They had like a bloody children's choir singing them in. Christian is on another level. He's brilliant. Um... I loved Adam Adam Copeland's um, entrance with Darby and Sting and the, the whole get up and everything. They really went to town with it all. Um, this was a really fun match, a really fun way to start the show, um, this trio's match. And Christian staying the hell away from Adam Copeland was really entertaining throughout. And, you know, obviously he ran, he jumped the barrier and ran out ultimately towards the end um of the of the match luchasaurus held the pin the face team wins darby allen adam copeland sting get the win here very fun um just a very fun start to the night and you know put people in good spirits we had um that match was followed by the aew international championship match orange cassidy defending against john moxley really good action throughout this this was really, really good. Orange Cassidy really brought it. He stepped up to the plate. I think he gave, in the end, he must have given Moxley maybe about six Superman punches and then a beach break to get the win, to retain the international championship. And that's something that I was very proud of 
you know, um, I think obviously when Moxley had his concussion, we had Ray Phoenix as champion and Orange Cassidy back as champion. We were all fearing the worst that TK is just going to do what he usually does. And well, this was my plan and I'm going to stick to my plan. And we're going to put the, the title back on Moxley at the next available opportunity. And he didn't. To my surprise, he didn't. He, you know, this the story was very good. Something that, you know, we saw this match maybe, what, two months ago or so? So it was, it's still pretty fresh in our memories of how Moxley just absolutely took apart Orange Cassidy. And they found a way to reheat this feud, Orange Cassidy looking great. And we knew it was going to have to take something, you know, really, really, um, you know, going to another level almost to beat Moxley because of how Moxley just is in AEW. And obviously the turnbuckle, the top turnbuckle buckle came off and that played into the finish. But yeah, it was good. This was the right decision to have Orange to have Orange Cassidy um, retain the title here. It was, it was the right decision. And now for me personally, if we do spin round to this again, Mox versus Cassidy, I'm happy with Mox, you know, getting a win and course correcting wherever we wanted to go with the international championship. But um, I think it's very, it was good of Tony Khan to just stick with this for now. You know, we don't want to especially water down the good work Orange Cassidy done with this title, building it up, all of those wins, all of those defenses he had and start chopping and changing and moving this title around too frequently. So I was happy with the decision on the night and a very good match as well. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we had that segment where Tony Schiavone came out and he was going to say about, you know, Jay White was going to become champion and everything that happened there. The next match on the card was the AEW Women's World Championship match. Very interesting that this happened before the TBS title match. Very, very interesting. And I've got, you know, a bit of something to say when we get to that TBS title match. But the AEW Women's World title match, Hikaru Shida, the champion, defending against timeless Tony Storm. This was really fun. Tony Storm came out straight away and where she usually hands the script to her challenger in this new character of hers, she ripped up the script, which, you know, would signify I'm just going on a whim here. Like, let's go for it sort of thing. Um, I don't need the script. And she had a couple of tools, you know, ringside by Luther. Her shoes, there was one point where um, Aubrey, the referee, took one of the shoes, but she still had another one. She dashed it at Sheila, which was really good. She had some like old schooly kind of metal plate, which is like a, she had a light bulb moment. She put the metal plate like into her, into her, um, what do I call them, tights, um, into her bum, basically. Um, and then obviously when she does, does her hip attack into the corner, the metal plate has smashed against Sheeda um, and that's helped her get the win. So Tony Storm is the new AEW Women's World Champion, her third title reign um, as Women's World Champion in AEW. You know, we're not a fan of them kind of moving these titles around so much um, at all. Um, but I feel like this everything kind of culminates to her winning it here. Like Tony Storm has absolutely been rattled and the change of character has come from her losing to Shida earlier this year. Um, this was Hollywood in terms of it was LA. So, you know, this was a really big opportunity for her. 
um, to basically circle back around uh, on the title. Um, they 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 kind of framed it as her comeback to Hollywood sort of thing. So yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. Um, the shenanigans were good. They were they were tidy, if you like. Um, I think what's more important coming out of this now is we need to course correct with this woman's title. Um, I want to see Tony have a proper, proper run. Like, Timeless Tony is now, she's got, you know, um, Mariah May that's coming into the fold. She's got Luther on her side as well. I think we need a proper run. Let's kind of re-establish or establish this woman's title and make it really mean something. Make this this Timeless Tony Storm character hold it with so much reverence and adore the title we saw the big celebrations and you know her on the ring and they had that that um like the ceiling shot of her in the ring with the title just draped over her luther spinning her around as she held this title it was great it was great presentation great videography and everything like that um so let's make the title feel like that through actual wrestling and a, a like a long decent lots of defenses title reign tony storm is excellent you know easily top two top three women in this division so let's just treat that title with a bit more reverence now and stop kind of hot shotting it around i don't want to see that title leave her until maybe jamie haters back until maybe jamie haters back um when monet comes into aew as well i think that is you know the only other time where we should see a possible title change but I think Tony Storm has to be here now for the the, the long run, you know, if you see what I mean, like a, a real solid long-term run to kind of reestablish this title because we've done a lot of nonsense with this title over the last year. Let's be completely honest. Um, let's do better going forward from now. And just a word on Sheeda. Sheeda's excellent. Sheeda is excellent. Sheeda is to the women's division, what John Moxley is to the men's division. Reliable. I can count on this person. And I know sometimes you don't want to be that, that person where it's just like, oh, they're only going to give it to me when something happens and then I'll be like a bit of a transitional champion and stuff like that. She, nor Moxley should ever find themselves in that position. But she is... You can see she's highly trusted to just come in, do a good job, course correct. Let's move it along. Like she deserves her flowers. She does excellent um, and a real key member of this woman's division in AEW. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about the ladder match. The AEW World Tag Team Championship was on the line. Ricky Starks and Big Bill saw their tag team titles be put on that little thing in the sky and raised not not too high you know i was talking about this this seemed very low but um they raised those titles into the sky rush and jalistico were also in the match ftr and malachi black and brody king the the um kings of the black throne um very fun very fun match like i said this was sensational madness like the spots and everything like that. Um, I love the fact that we saw some of, you know, the Brody Kings, the FTRs, um, some of the people that are less so accustomed to a ladder match in this match 
um, seemingly struggle. And that's how it should be. Like, you shouldn't just be able to enter a ladder match and be, you know, acclimatized to it. Even when we saw um, Cash Wheeler get onto the top rope to do that big splash to Brody King, who was on the ladder outside, he, like the wobble and everything, it, it, it adds something because it's like, I'm not a high flyer. I don't usually do this. So for him to go up there, wobble before he actually hits the crossbody or jumps off the top rope to hit the crossbody. Um, it brought a real element of realism to me and that these men are literally trying to do everything to, to get the advantage to win this match. Um, there was a the typical ladder match tropes in, in this, you know, with the hitting people with the ladders spinning around like a helicopter, putting all the ladders up in the ring and every man at the top of the ladder. There was all of that kind of stuff, but that's just ladder match stuff at this point. You see what I mean? Um, Big Bill, Ricky Starks, they retained their title as expected for me personally. I didn't think that anyone else would win this match, but the match was very, very fun. Very, very fun. It was a good match and um, everyone showed out. We move on. We had the AEW TBS Championship match on the card. Chris Statlander, the champion, defending against Julia Hart and Sky Blue. This match, I was so conflicted going into this match. Prediction-wise, I played it safe. Safe. I went with Statlander to retain. Um, but I was so conflicted because, and this is another shout-out to Tony Khan and who, whomsoever else the powers may, that may be are, they have built a TBS division. They have built a TBS division with Statlander, Julia Hart, Sky Blue, Willow Nightingale. Um, you could even say Red Velvet, who's kind of been added to the fray recently. If we want to go a bit further than that, you could say a Mercedes Martinez. You could say a, a Diamante. They've made a little division here. And they're doing a really good job booking it. And of course, it's, it's heavily carried right now the main story between Statlander, her friendship with Willow, Nightingale and Sky Blue. And Sky Blue, is she turning? Isn't she turning? She's looking like she's getting like a darker personality, a darker character. These women are knocking it out of the park. These women are knocking it out of the park. And we've made a lot of noise about AEW and their women's division. That the main women's title, there is still a lot to be desired of. And I've just kind of spoken about that. But this TBS division... They, they deserve an applause. They've really done some good stuff. And, you know, Julia Hart getting the win and becoming a TBS championship really signifies that, you know, we've been able to take someone from some dead cheerleading gimmick, transform them with the help of the House of Black, develop her in-ring, develop her character, give her some A1 presentation, like her presentation is different level and she understands her character so well. And Julia Hart is what, 21? She's become now the youngest ever AEW champion, winning the AEW TBS championship. She she wins the title and stays in character. There's no of the, the usual emotion of crying and anything like that because she knows who she is. Like it's so well done. And it was a long wait to get Statlander fit, to get her to take the title off Jade Cargill when Jade Cargill was champion. But I think it was worth it. We all knew that was the right decision, as in the personnel of who they wanted to beat Jade Cargill. But it was a bloody wait, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a long wait. 
but it almost feels like it was it was worth it. With what I saw last night on the pay-per-view, I feel like, okay, I get it. I get why you waited. Because Statlander, at, at this kind of TBS level, she has been very good, very consistent, and someone that we can trust. She's raised the stakes in terms of what a TBS title defense should look like. You know, obviously Jade was very formulaic and that's because of Jade's, um, you know, greenness, if you like, how new to wrestling she was. And Jade done a great job at times, especially when she got put in there with more experienced people. She really done a good job. But this is more natural to Statlander. She has more experience than Jade. And Jade, Statlander has really carried this championship and helped to push and develop these other ladies around her. And like I say, we saw that pay off. Sky Blue as well. Sky Blue has done a terrific job. She's improving. Her character's developing. We still don't know what way she's going. Is she going to join Julia Hart? Is she just going to be dark on her own? Who knows? Like, I really feel like this TBS division, it came out of nowhere, but it's what's needed. And as much as we have slated AEW for their handling of women, this deserves applause. TK, and like I say, who, whomsoever else is involved, deserves their applause, deserves their or this division um, kind of forming and the stuff that all of these ladies in and around this division have been doing. It's been great. Now, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I've got the energy for to talk about this match because when I watched this pay-per-view, yeah, this next match sapped my energy. I'm talking about the Texas death match. Hangman Adam Page versus Swerve Strickland. You see, when you, you, you see star making performances, I was telling the, the Restings boys when I was on stream last night, this took me back to when I watched Triple H and Mankind as a, as a child. And even then as a child, you know, Triple H is obviously dastardly heel, nasty guy, blah, blah, blah. But even then as a child, as when I watched them, I think specifically the two matches between the Hell in a Cell match between Triple H and Mankind, I knew Triple H had stepped up. Triple H had become somebody on the other end of that match. And it's not to say that obviously Triple H wasn't someone before that. But that's exactly how I felt as I was going through the motions watching Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickland. Now, Adam Page is already someone that's, you know, he's got to the top of the mountain in AEW. So this is majorly about Swerve Strickland. Ladies and gentlemen, Swerve Strickland has arrived. I don't know of any other way to put it. He's arrived. If you didn't think swerve was him if you didn't think he had the minerals if you didn't think that you know what we're what we're seeing and this push um that ew have been giving him over the past couple of months has been deserved swerve strickland shut up a lot of people yesterday night if they didn't feel like he he was ready for the main event scene in aew Swerve Strickland went to a, another level. And I've seen Swerve Strickland in, you know, 
hardcore, non-disqualification type matches before. And he's been excellent throughout. He's got this other level of violence. We've seen it in AEW. But last night on, on the pay-per-view, this was something else. This was an intense Texas death match with brutal spots from the word go. Hangman didn't even have an entrance. Hangman didn't even have his theme music. And I love Hangman's theme music. I love every time I hear it. He does a little spin around thing and the, the, the pyro goes shooting up. I love it. Hangman was all business. Hangman said, I can finally get my hands on my man that went into my yard and put his T-shirt on my son or my kid. Hmm. Hangman came in hot, hit him with a buckshot lariat ASAP. And from there, what proceeded to happen? The staple gun. <laughs> the staple gun. Like, honestly, stapling the fingerprinting. Remember the painting when, when, when Swerve went into the house and ripped off the fridge? He stapled that to Swerve's cheek. Like, incredible stuff. And everything I there's too much to mention here we saw a pile driver on the on the barrier the safety barrier you know there was the the stomp the, there was the 450 onto the glass there was the barbed wire spots the one where where swerve threw like the barbed wire at hangman and you saw the the barbed wire like wrap around hangman's face this was a coming out moment this was an outstanding performance. This was a star-making performance. This was a match of the year candidate. These boys went to town. And for Swerve, like I said, this took him to the next level. This was the purpose of the entire feud. This was the purpose of the entire feud between Hangman and Swerve. It was to get Swerve to this next level. Well, congratulations. You lot have done that. You lot have done that. Because Swerve was excellent in this match. And as much as I'm saying this almost helped to create Swerve into that main eventer, if anyone had a doubt he could have been a main eventer, this also showed that Hangman, Adam Page, is an... He's just an absolute star. Hangman Adam Page is from day one of AEW in terms of story what hasn't he been involved in that hasn't popped off even the the unwarranted stuff with with CM Punk it had us all sitting on the edge of our seats yeah the match at the end at the at, what was it double or nothing may not have been to everyone's liking but when it comes to telling a story in AEW I, I think I think Hangman might be top I think Hangman might be the best storyteller in AEW and of, of course that that all comes down to you know who you're telling the story with who your sparring partner is and all that kind of stuff and like I mentioned, he kind of went into business for himself a bit with the CM Punk stuff. Went into business for the locker room, one or the other. But 
what Hangman has been involved in since arriving in AEW from the Kenny stuff to the Dark Order stuff. Like I mentioned, this CM Punk refinding himself in the elite, the swerve stuff. Hangman Adam Page is an is an unsung hero for AEW. Unsung hero. The guy, the guy is incredible. The guy is incredible. And we need to see Swerve as champion, firstly, in my opinion. I think I have no idea. I mean, you guys let me know. You know, drop me a, a tweet, comment. Like, how do we get Swerve to the AEW world title now? Realistically. Obviously, we could do a match with MJF tomorrow and Swerve wins. But, like, realistically, because for me now, Swerve can't lose. I'm not sure how much I'll buy him losing after surviving that death match. Like, I'm not sure Swerve can lose between now and becoming the world champion. Because that's on the cards. Swerve has to become world champion in the next 18 months, in my opinion in the next 18 months like at maximum if we're literally month 17 down the line i need to see what's been happening who's been world champion in the meantime because sometimes you have to strike when the iron's hot swerve's hot and then eventually when swerve is champion i think hangman versus swerve for the third time and if we get hangman getting a win there i think that could be incredible as well because hangman does need another title reign and almost to put to put to bed some of the demons of the first one because in the first reign i think there was just a lot of tremendous matches but he wasn't necessarily pictured the strongest obviously he was still going through stuff in story i want to see a dominant hangman title run but if you have not seen this match, if if you do not have time to watch the entire AEW Full Gear 2023 pay-per-view, please go out of your way and watch the Texas death match between Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickland. Hangman Adam Page, you know, by many people's accounts, many circles were saying his, his death match with Moxley back in march this year at revolution was a match of the year candidate the match we got between hangman adam page and swerve strickland is about three times as good as adam page versus moxley i'm saying that and i loved adam page versus moxley i thought that match was brilliant this match is three times what that match was and i'm saying three times in my chest i hope it's not recency bias I really hope it's not recency biased. I think if I watch that match back, it's I don't think it's touching Swerve Strickland versus Adam Page. I don't think it's touching it. So yeah, please, if you haven't seen this match, go out of your way to watch it. Let me know your thoughts. This is what a real blood feud should look like. I mean, you know, pardon the pun, there was hella blood. But this is what a real blood feud should look like. This is the standard when it comes to, to death matches now. 
not not those other death matches where they're literally just killing each other with light tubes for no reason. There's no story or anything like that. When you're telling this is the real way to tell a a a blood feud, a death match. Swerve has arrived. Hangman is him. Hangman is is the king of the death match right now. I don't care. I don't care if he didn't win it. I don't care. This match was incredible. And like I'm saying, if you ain't seen it, go and watch it. Go and watch that match. Unfortunately, this match was followed by Chris Jericho versus um, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, sorry, versus the Young Bucks. This was a really fun match between, obviously, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Hella chemistry. Even throw Jericho in there. You know, they, these men put in a very, very good match. And obviously, the stipulation was the Young Bucks would lose their tag team title shot if they lost to these men. And if the Bucks won, Jericho and Omega would split. This match started cooking towards the end of it. Um, there was a part in the match where Kenny Omega teased the crowd pretty well. Jericho was on one side of the ring. We had, um, I think, Matt Jackson on the other side of the ring on the ropes. Teasing who he's going to basically give his V-trigger to. Um, it made the crowd think that he was going to give it to Jericho, but no, he bounced off the ropes, gave it to one of the Jacksons. Throughout this match, I was kind of thinking, as the, as the offense intensified, I was kind of thinking, why would Omega turn on the box as in why is he choosing Jericho over the box I, I I mean of course the title shot the tag team title shot at hand but the box are supposed to be his best friends so they showed sportsmanship and stuff as the match began shook hands or dapped each other up I just I, it was just a bit weird to me it was just a bit weird to me um but towards the end you know like I said it, this was a hard spot to follow that death match, this was a very hard spot to be in, but these guys are professionals. These guys are world-class. The last, you know, few sequences of this match really helped you get it, get back into this match following just being in awe of the death match whilst watching this one. Um, and Kenny Omega hit Matt Jackson with a one-winged angel and Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega got the win. We've talked about the main event. So, yeah, that was um, AEW um, Full Gear 2023. Really good show. Really good wrestling show. Match of the night was the Texas death match. Absolutely incredible. Um, like I say, we had all the shenanigans of the um, AEW world title picture. Jay White, MJF. Adam Cole, all of that kind of stuff that went on, which has soured people. And again, I want to hear from you guys how you feel about that. The last thing I'll talk about here today is the big announcement. Um, in fact, I've got one other thing to talk about. But let's talk about the big announcement first. Will Ospreay is All Elite. It was the front runner. We all thought it was Will. It was Will. Will is all elite. He came out, he cut a promo, he told everyone that you know he is signing a pre-contract effectively with AEW. He still has 
um, loyalties to New Japan. He still has a contract in New Japan up until February 2024, and he's going to you know play out the rest of his contract and do what he needs to do for New Japan. He's hoping to be back for the road to Revolution, which is um, usually late Feb, early March. So maybe we get him debuting officially on that Revolution card. Um, yeah, it's really good. And he spoke of, obviously, Wembley as well, AEW Wembley in um, August, all in. So, um, you know, for me, I, I think he probably has to win the title there. I think he probably has to win the title there. We have to not waste time. You see what we've done with Jay White? And granted, Jay White course-corrected with Bullet Club Gold halfway through this year. Um, things started looking better until, obviously, what we saw in the main event of this pay-per-view. We cannot afford to do that with Will Ospreay. Treat these human beings as the stars that they are the minute they walk through the door. Because you've already told us, Mr. Tony Khan, that Will Ospreay is one of the greatest wrestlers in the world, revered by AEW fans worldwide. So do not come in and treat him that as you treated Jay White, please. Like, let's put respect on Will. I, I think it's a given almost. I think it's a through ball that he wins the AEW world title at Wembley, all in 2024. And if he's not in the picture or he doesn't win it, I'm not going to blow my casket. I, I just need to see what happens. I just need to see what happens. Because what is going to be better than that? An English boy that got all the acclaim last time. He got a singles match on a card and he wasn't even part of the company. You have to give it to him tenfold now that he is... He's your new signee. He's your big signing. He's the biggest signing that you have made this year that he's not going to show up till next year. So he's the biggest signing that you can make next year. <laughs> like, let's let's really treat this as what it is. Yeah, I'm very happy for Will Ospreay. This was a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a match made in heaven, as they say. You know, he wouldn't be able to get away with half the stuff with WWE that he can get away with in terms of at AEW, just in terms of promo style, language he may use, his character, even in terms of other stuff like wrestling for New Japan still, if he wants to do that, wrestling on the indies, living in the UK, um, whilst whilst he's doing all of this. Like, this is a very good deal. Will Ospreay is 30 years old. If he signed a three, four, even a five-year contract, he's still open for him to move around if he wants to post this contract he signed. So. Yeah, I think it's a really good deal. It's like I say, match made in heaven. And I'm rooting for Will. I really want him to, you know, continue to be this pioneer for this current crop of, of young British talent. Um, he he wears that that flag, if you like. He flies that flag so well right now. Um, and yeah, I just want it to continue. Um, so big up, Will. The real last thing that I will mention today is this Continental Classic. I'm pissed off because this Continental Classic got us all excited. It was used almost a bit of a quick fix. There was a lot of bad press for AEW. They come out, they announce they want to do this Continental Classic, akin G1. We've been calling it a C1 um, for AEW. And within the promo package, their words, not mine, they said 12 of the best of AEW will be in this match. Two issues. I say, sorry, be in this match, be in this tournament. Two issues, yeah. 
They've announced Danielson. They've announced Andrade. That's two people that I would believe are the are two of the best in the company, two of the 12 best in the company. So fair enough. They've announced Eddie Kingston, which he's now added a stipulation of putting his Ring of Honor world title and the New Japan strong title on, on the line to form some type of triple crown for whoever wins this. I just feel that that like what? Like, what 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 are you not doing? Eddie Kingston is one of these people you can put in. People will, will cheer for him. He he is holding two titles right now, so I I I can buy him being one of the top twelve in AEW. I can I can buy that to a certain degree if you see what I mean. Mark Briscoe, and please, I mean this with all due respect. Mark Briscoe is not one of the top 12 competitors in AEW. He isn't. There is no evidence. There is no evidence to show that he has. Mark Briscoe came back from, from injury about three weeks ago. He's had maybe about three matches in that time. Anyone tell me if he's won any of them. He hasn't won one of those matches. Even before when he, you know, signed for AEW at the top of this year, following the 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 unfortunate circumstances of his brother passing, Jay Briscoe. He came in, he had some feuds, just a lot of fun stuff. Like that's who he is. He's an he's a fun wrestler. Um, great tag team wrestler. As an as a singles guy, he a lot of the time in AEW, he's just been used for kind of filler. To, to be the the jobber in whatever circumstance he's put in, probably rarely picks up singles wins. What is Mark Briscoe doing in this tournament? And granted that there needs to be people in this tournament that don't win, that lose, so people can pin them and, you know, they don't get hurt. I get that. But we have young, talented stars for that. And again, I'm I'm really watching my words here because I don't want to seem like I'm insulting, but Mark Briscoe in this tournament doesn't excite me. And he for sure he's not one of the 12 best in AEW. His record doesn't even say that. Through balls, easy stuff that AEW should be doing. And you know, they're missing it. That's my first issue with this. The second issue is that this tournament starts this week. Dynamite, Wednesday night. They've announced four names out of 12. What is with AEW and never being able to produce the entire field of a tournament and tournament brackets before the tournament begins? Why are they always making it up on the fly? Who does that? In what sport do you have a tournament and not know the entrance? What are they doing? It's, this is easy. Like, this is easy. This is so easy. But they, they continue to make hard work of very easy stuff. They continue to give fans something to be disgruntled and unhappy about. 
we talk about AEW having an identity crisis and not knowing what they want to do. <laughs> this isn't what we all wanted from AEW. In recent times, at least in the last year or so, 18 months, this place has really derailed from what we were previously getting. And even what, you know, what we were previously getting wasn't faultless, but it seemed a lot more organized. There seemed to be a lot more structure. There seemed to be a lot more planning. What we're getting now is just a bit everywhere. And we've spoken about maybe TK's wearing too much hats. Maybe there is a, another voice, which is the TV networks, the executives at TV networks saying they want this and they want that and stuff like that. What I've said today is not too much to ask. You told me you're putting 12 of the best in this tournament. Right now, you've announced four names, and I would argue two of them are within that obviously subjective 12 of the best in AEW. And then now you're telling me the tournament's starting on Wednesday this week, and there's only four people in this tournament of 12. We have to do better. We have to do better. But yeah, coming out of AEW Full Gear, I'm largely happy. I really am. Um, a very, very good show. I'm I'm really looking forward to World's End. With that name as a pay-per-view name next month in December, I feel there's something special that can happen, something memorable that can happen. Um, and then obviously, like I said, the the the, the low side of this pay-per-view was the title picture stuff the main event stuff the high point was definitely the texas death match that is a match that can enter everyone's catalog now as you know oh you don't watch wrestling watch this match and people will be intrigued like i said star making performances very proud of hangman and swerve strickland for you know their work in that match incredible made made my night honestly made my night what a great match to get on pay-per-view. Like I say, largely, there's a lot to be proud of, man. Those TBS women done a great job. Um, Orange Cassidy going over was very good with what was needed. So, yeah, we march on. We march on. Um, I'll bring the podcast to a close there. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let me know your thoughts, man. Um, hit me up. I'm WrestleManiac UK on X. Um, where you can catch me on my Instagram, hit me up in my DMs, um, or if I choose to post this on YouTube, hit me up on YouTube as well, man. Um, yeah, it was good to talk to you guys about um, a really, really good show. In essence, a really, really good show. But I'll be back during the week. Got some news for you guys. Um, wrestling news, of course. And yeah, we'll keep it ticking. We'll keep it moving. WrestleManiac UK signing out. And I'll see you soon.